0: Being from the South, I know a thing or two about how bugs can ruin a great outdoor experience. It's crazy how something so small can affect some of the potentially greatest experiences of your life and that's why today's show is brought to you in part by Sawyer. You might know them as the water filter company. I actually have a couple Sawyer filters but they make a lot of other great products too including their insect repellent and uh, just some points about what it is. It's great for the whole family. It's actually safe to use on infants and those who are pregnant because they don't use DEET, the active ingredient. They use something better called picaridin. It actually lasts longer. It lasts up to 12 hours pretty incredible and it doesn't damage any of your gear. So it's insect repellent specifically made for families who are also outdoorsy because it won't ruin any of that high dollar gear that you've bought to be out there. And it does a fantastic job of protecting you and your family from those vector-borne illnesses that are carried by insects. I know for me, I'm always carrying some insect repellent because I've had mosquitoes specifically ruin some pretty incredible backpacking experiences. Don't let it happen to you. Use Sawyer's 20% Picaridin insect repellents. Find out more about that at sawyer.com. Play safe, travel safely, Sawyer. They keep you outdoors.
1: We, when, when we anchor in a place like Salt Whistle Bay in Myra, for example, you know, this is a nice sandy beach with lined with palm trees, really local atmosphere. We virtually drop our anchor on the beach.
0: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey, folks. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, Today, we're featuring Steve Hooker. I interviewed him actually a few months ago, um, but it was an episode that I I thought I had lost, but I found the card it was on. We're able to salvage it, but uh, we're talking—it's a a little bit about the quarantine because that was kind of going on big time when this was happening, but um, anyway— uh, talking to Steve, he's down in the Caribbean. He does kiteboarding lessons. He lives on his boat uh, with his partner full time. Really awesome lifestyle. But you know, we always want to feature folks just living out of the box, doing things differently. And he's just a, a character, as you're going to hear. But we just jump right into the interview. I don't even properly introduce him because we were talking for a few minutes. I uh, was recording the whole time, so I just picked a spot to uh, to kind of start the episode. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you learn from him. And uh, yeah, if you ha- happen to want to go down to the Caribbean, I, the contact information, is websites, down in the down in the show notes. Encourage you to go check it out, and I just hope it, you know, uh, inspires you a little bit today on this Monday morning. Whatever you're doing, I know for me, talking to these folks always just, you know, maybe I don't want to do exactly what they're doing with my life, but it encourages me to think outside the box and to think about things just differently, and to say, you know, what really is possible with my life. So. I hope you enjoy and learn from that aspect or maybe you want to just uh follow exactly what steve's doing live on a sailboat full time um, i live in a place now with tons of sailboats i see folks that, that come in all the time in the marinas and i think you know where have they come from where are they going that's pretty cool but uh maybe that's your dream but if so there's a lot you can learn from them but anyway enjoy and you'll be hearing from us again on thursday Man, how are y'all doing down there? Where are you at, by the way?
1: Uh, Well, we're in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We're at a place called Union Island. And here, everything is absolutely groovy, mate. It's absolutely perfect.
0: Groovy, just like your boat, huh? Yeah, that's why the
1: boat (laughs) is groovy, because life is groovy.
0: Does it feel like anything is even going on? Probably just lack of tourists, I'm sure.
1: Well, we're supposed to be on charter. I think we just finished, uh, supposed to have finished the charter a couple of days ago, and we got another one in, a, in next week. But uh, everything's been cancelled, so we're on holidays. We're just uh, put the anchor down in the best kite surfing spot and just chilling. Kind of a welcomed break. Right, a break, because a break is always good. It's absolutely fantastic. Now it's brilliant. As long as this doesn't go on too long, we don't need too many holidays, but. Uh, you know, I think we've, everything hasn't been canceled. We're trying to postpone everything. So yeah. uh, every, all the trips we've lost will make up for. I don't know when all this is over. Probably next season now.
0: Absolutely. Tell, tell people about a little bit about what you do. I'd love to hear exactly from you, just what y'all do, and then I want to go back and to see how you got into it.
1: Well, we do sailing trips. We have a catamaran. 44-foot leopard, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's the right size to do, you know, to fit into the budget that uh, uh, most of our guests are interested in. It, uh, we're very self-sufficient, so we have everything we need on board. We have desalinator and uh, air conditioning for the people that are really spoiled, you know. Uh, <laughs> so we just, yeah, you know what it's like. From your neck of the woods, everybody needs aircon.
0: <laughs> i'm from florida originally so that's you don't have air conditioning. you yeah it's it's a serious problem
1: <laughs> yeah but uh, it's not in my opinion anyway i mean i live in the tropics it's not that hot for us here but uh, we just open the window and remember once you get out on the water there's a bit of a breeze pretty much always so it's always a little bit cool out here on the boat but yeah we just do sailing trips
0: I learned a little bit about you just through your website and doing some research. Mm -hmm. I know y'all do some sailing trips. You know, I know you're from Australia, and people can probably hear it in your voice. I'd love to learn. (laughs) How did this start for you? Where did you did you grow up doing this kind of stuff, or did you discover it later on?
1: Well, I didn't. Not really. I mean, uh, for me, when I was uh, young, I was sailing as a kid. But uh, you know, my dad was sailing, competing in sailing races in Australia. And I grew up with sailing in the family, but uh, I never dreamed that I could do this as a career. I mean, this came a little bit later. I started working on uh, commercial boats in Australia, and then I got my captain's license in Australia. And, you know, I was doing the tourism thing there. Then uh, quite a few years later, I ended up in Greece and uh, started working on sailing boats. And I had no idea that this sort of thing existed. So yeah, everything's gone forward from there.
0: And now, if I'm not mistaken, y'all left Greece to go across the yeah. Atlantic.
1: Yeah, that's right. What was that experience yeah. like? Oh, it was easy, mate. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was that's easy. The, it's, it's just great to get away from it all. And also, it's great to be moving. I mean, you know, sailing around the Greek islands. For, I was there for 17 years. So, sailing around the Greek islands for so long was, uh, it was nice. But, uh, you know, in the job that we're in, sort of taking people sailing, We have to keep it interesting for ourselves, so it was about time we moved after so long. So for us to say, you know, to sail across the Mediterranean and uh, explore some new places, you know, Italy and Spain and Gibraltar and uh, all the rest on the way, and then eventually cross the Atlantic was, uh, I mean, was really was just fantastic. I mean, it was it was really easy. We, had, we picked up some hitchhikers on the way, so we had some help to sail across for the difficult, you know, for the long bit. So we had people on watch all the time. But, yeah, it was easy peasy.
0: I didn't know sailboats picked up hitchhikers.
1: Yes, we, uh, when we were in Gibraltar, we had some people come down to us and uh, asked if we need crew. So we had one girl joined us in Gibraltar. Before that, we were in, in Italy. So we sailed from Greece to Italy. We picked up Monica's uncle, who joined us for the whole trip. And then we made our way slowly to uh, Gibraltar, where we met somebody else. There was a few people there looking for a lift. So we gave a girl a lift down to the Canary Islands. And then from the Canary Islands, we uh, there was advertising everywhere. There was um, the Ark, which is um, it's an organized Atlantic rally. A whole load of boats get together, and they uh, do a bit of a you know, a bit of a rally sort of race and a very social sort of thing. And uh, we were there at about the time that they were sort of getting, you know, ready to leave. So there was a lot of people looking for boats to get on to get a lift across the Atlantic. So we picked up another two people from there and they joined us, you know, for for the Atlantic crossing.
0: Was there any sort of, you know, difficulty with you being out on just totally open ocean versus being in, you know, around the Greek islands for so long?
1: Well, you know, the, the uh, our boat is uh, – well, it's our boat. It's our home. We live here. I mean, it's our business and it's our home. So um, for us to be uh, tied up in a marina or sailing across the Atlantic Ocean, it makes no difference. We're sort of – we're always here. We're always at home. Whether we're in the middle of the Atlantic, it doesn't matter. So we still got to go on with our usual things. We just have to, you know, be a little bit more prepared to be away from everything, food and shopping and all that sort of thing. I've lost my concentration here because we're going to be annoyed by what local here that wants to uh wants us to buy some fish from him. Okay. Thank you. You can well, edit that bit out, I'm hey, sure. No. This is
0: the Adventure Sports Podcast. We we <laughs> let we let things happen.
1: <laughs> we're fine, thanks, mate. We're fine, thank you. Yeah, that was the lo- one of the local guys coming and uh, offering us fish. We get that about two or three times a day. Somebody's offering to sell us fish or lobster or whatever we need.
0: Holy cow. So that's just part of life on a boat, huh? I mean, what are, I mean, do you have people coming around all the time, just like a market, like coming to sell things like door to door salesmen, essentially?
1: Uh, it depends where we are. I mean, here there's a, where we are at the moment in union Island, we only have the fishermen that come around and they're offering us just fish and lobster. But, uh, if we go somewhere like in St. Lucia and, uh, Rodney Bay, there's a guy that also comes around there selling, uh, fruit and vegetables.
0: That must be nice.
1: Absolutely. Oh, but wow. uh even here, I mean, for us to go ashore in the Dinky, there's a little village here with uh, fresh fruit and vegetables, so uh we've got everything we need here.
0: Man, so so if I if I read it right, y'all left Greece in 2006 and you've been in the
1: Caribbean ever since? We uh we actually in 2006 was uh I have to think about my years now, mate. I can't keep track of them all. 2006 (laughs) is when I kicked off. I think uh, I started my own business with my own boats. So I've been in Greece doing um, freelance work as a freelance skipper, working on charter boats and doing deliveries and all that sort of thing. So in 2006, I started my own business. I think it was um, at the time was uh, sail. What was it called? Sailing Wildside. Which is the business we have now, but now, whereas we have a BVI business.
0: What is it like to to try to turn a passion into a career like this? I know that it's probably a slow, steady kind of trajectory, but uh, did it take at all away from the love of it for you?
1: Uh, Well, you know, as I say, the business that we started in 2006 uh, was—I decided that I wanted to do, uh, you know, bring my passion of sailing, which was also my career. And also kitesurfing altogether. And at the time, there was nobody doing that, or there was nobody that I knew of doing that. So uh, I bought the boat specifically to do kitesurfing trips.
0: So, what are some of the differences with your boat for, for that specific purpose?
1: Uh, it, it, in, in the beginning, you know, nowadays catamarans are very popular, but in the early days, you know, in, in, the, in that time, the catamarans, especially in the Mediterranean, were not terribly popular. So uh, and we had absolutely no idea how this kite surfing thing was going to work. So I actually bought a boat that was more for performance rather than comfort because the idea was that we are sailing into the storm, so to speak. I mean, we're sailing into places that is windy because we want wind for, for the sports that we're going to do, which is kite surfing. whereas most sailors are sailing away from those sort of areas. Right. So the first the first boat we bought was specifically, you know, performance-oriented and, uh, you know, for that type of sort of a bit more hardcore sailing. We've since learned that we don't really need that sort of thing. I mean, most people still want their, you know, their comforts running hot and cold water and uh, air conditioning and so all those sort of luxuries. So uh, our latest boat, the boat we have now, is a combination of both. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm trying to think of the right word here, a compromise. It's a compromise between performance and safe safety of obviously, which is very important to us and also comfort. So yeah, I mean, basically we just have a catamaran, which is, you know, a nice, easy platform to launch kites from, store gear in. Yeah.
0: From what I understand, were you one of the first people to, to really bring kite surfing to the area?
1: In in Greece at the time. Yes. I was not the first to bring kitesurfing to the area. I would say I was the first to do kitesurfing trips for sure. I think in the, as far as kitesurfing in the island that I started on, I started it which was in Koz and in, in the Doldecanese, which is close to Turkey. I started kitesurfing right in the early days. So, you know, it was with two-line kites, which is, you know, the, the very beginning of it all. So the type of kite I used then was called a Whipica Classic. Anybody that's a kite surfer might know what that is. Uh, so I was starting in the early days. I, I, it wasn't until a couple of years later that I met another local guy who was uh, kite surfing as well. And we sort of uh, figured it out together.
0: I mean, I've never done it and I've heard it's pretty hard to do, but, but can you just describe, you know, the sport of kite surfing and, and basically how you take totally new people through it? You know, do, do, do you take total novices and, and teach them from day one? And if so, how, how long does it take them to, to get up and going?
1: Well, that's the thing about kite surfing. I mean, it's not difficult to do. It's actually quite easy. When you compare it to uh, windsurfing, to be uh, you know to learn to windsurf and to be become you know good or proficient at windsurfing, it takes a year or two. Whereas with uh, kite surfing, kite surfing is much much easier. You can learn to kite surf if you go and get some lessons, you know, in within a week. So it's actually quite easy.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That,
1: the only thing is, in the early days, it uh, had this reputation of being dangerous. I mean, it was. Uh, they, they, I mean, I think it's still classified as an extreme sport. However, you classify extreme sports, I don't know. But uh, it's it's. I mean, nowadays it's it's you know it's advanced in the last twenty odd years to to the point where it is you know there's lots of safety and there's lots of you know really good instructors and uh, there are instructional methods. Still, can be dangerous, but uh, I mean, we're taught about safety. I mean, there's so many, so much safety involved in it that it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's not difficult at all.
0: You'll, t- you'll take people kite surfing on these X, you know, these trips and then they, the home base, I guess, is the boat and you just travel around islands around the Caribbean. Is that kind of how it works?
1: Yeah, we, I mean, for, for us, we are based in the St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is probably... You know, the best kite surfing spot in the area. I mean, there's a lot of good kite surfing places around, but here everything is relatively close together. So, you know, the sailing distances aren't, you know, too much. It's not too far to sail from one place to the other. As much as most people like sailing, I mean, they don't like sailing that much. If we have to sail uh, six, you know, six hours uh, upwind into a bumpy season, I mean, people that like sailing start to not like sailing after, you know, a bit of a trip like that. So this area here is uh, everything is relatively close together. There's a variety of um, places to kite surf here. There's some really good kite surfing schools here, and um, also it's uh, it's still unspoilt by tourism. You know, it's not like the BVI's or it's not like the Virgin Islands where where it's just jam packed with people and boats and uh, you know that sort of touristy sort of sort of area. Here is a little bit more. Backwards, a little bit more left behind, behind the times, which is what we prefer. Sure. We generally, I mean, there's a lot of kite surfing boats around here. There's a lot of people, more and more people doing kite surfing trips down here. But it's, you know, for us, it's more about the experience of uh, of the lifestyle of living on the boat. It's not about jumping on a boat and uh, doing, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you could imagine, but it's not about jumping on a boat just to go kite surfing. It's about the whole, you know, the whole experience of living on the boat, waking up in a new place, being able to, you know, wake up, have breakfast on the water, jump in, have a swim, you know, do some snorkeling. If the wind's good, we go kite surfing. It's not, you know, like a die diehard, we don't do like a diehard kite surfing trip. But also uh, we prefer to take people that are experienced kite surfers. I don't. I mean in my opinion or in our opinion it's not really beneficial to do a trip on one of these boats to learn how to kite surf if you want to learn how to kite surf you should really go and spend a week at a place which is you know perfect conditions with great instructors and learn how to kite surf and then once you learn how to kite surf then you jump on a boat and you can go and experience you know all these fantastic places and uh, the lifestyle and you know, living from out of the sea and doing, you know, getting involved with the locals and doing the local thing here and, and, uh, you know, combining it with all sorts of, um, water sports, you know, surfing or stand up paddle boarding or scuba diving and fishing. And, you know, it's about the whole experience. It's not for us. It's not only about kite surfing.
0: So can you describe to people some of those differences in the lifestyle, uh, from, you know, maybe just, just, just where most of the listeners are, are doing, my, myself included. I work, actually, I work from home, but, you know, got a couple cars, got a house and yard, you know, some dogs. And it's, it's what, what, what are some of the biggest difference and maybe some of the biggest misconceptions about your lifestyle?
1: Well, that's really difficult for me to describe because I don't live your <laughs> lifestyle, so I can't really tell you what the difference is. And it's is. probably
0: been a while, huh, since you've, since yeah. you've uh,
1: lived That's there. right. That's right. <laughs> I, mean, wait, I mean, I'm trying to get my words organized in my head here and work out how to explain it, how to tell you. For us, it's the, the same sort of thing. I mean, uh, you know, our boat is our home, but it's also our business. So, and, uh, you know, everybody has to work, obviously, we have to earn in an income. And to uh, own a boat is uh, is uh, it's like owning all of those things. It's like having your house and your and your car and all this sort of thing. I mean, the, the boat is it requires a lot of maintenance. I'm sure. And also, you know, the old acronym boat stands for break out another thousand is absolutely true. So, <laughs> so we have to find a way to maintain this lifestyle, and uh, for both Monica and myself you know we've worked in tourism forever i mean monica has a degree in tourism and uh it's just i mean for us it's just what we do i don't know how to how to answer your question
0: wow no that, that makes sense you know and i'm sure a degree helps well take us through you know what a typical day on your your boat is like if if you know if you're bringing on guests they're they're living on the boat for however long the trip is and so is it you know, I don't Do you find it difficult to have wear so many hats in one small location?
1: Yeah, I mean, where to start? Uh, well, when we start, I mean, we pick up people mostly in um, St. Vincent or in the Grenadines, which is the most convenient places for flights. And uh, we bring people on board. We don't do, we very rarely do marinas. I mean, we're completely self sufficient. So we have our little dinghy. Which we, uh, which is a little inflatable rib, which we go and pick everybody up and uh, all their luggage and what have you, bring them on board and then introduce them to the boat. We show them around. We explain, uh, you know, all the safety and all the rules. You know, for example, if somebody falls overboard, we have to go over a safety brief where the fire extinguishers are. You know, all the normal things that you do when you go onto a boat. But and then uh, everybody gets settled in. We have cocktails. Monica and I sort of try to get a feeling for the people and what sort of what their expectations are. Because the important thing when we're doing this is uh, really to uh, fulfil expectations. I mean, these these holidays are relatively expensive. So you know we have to try and meet people's expectations and give them what they pay for.
0: Does that stress you out?
1: Uh, Um. I, in the beginning, in the early days, yes. Okay. But, yeah. but uh, now we've done it so many times and we find it really – I mean I find it very easy to uh, get a feel for people straight away. I mean on, on when people come onto our boat, the, the, the first – the most important thing really is, apart from safety and the obvious, is that people just switch off and relax. So once we get people relaxed I mean which is relatively which is easy for us we've done it so many times once we get people relaxed it, it's it's quite easy to work out you know with conversation and a couple of cocktails uh, to figure out what they want you know what their expectations are we have we pull out the charts we have um uh, uh pilot books which is like a guidebook of the area where we can show people the places that uh, that we're going to go to and uh, what sort of things they can do there and from that you know from this sort of discussion on the first evening we can uh, we get a, a good idea of what their expectations are so then we spend the rest of the week trying to meet their expectations and we also for us it's also important that that it, it stays interesting for us as well because you know when when you come onto the boat, where well, there's a, a group of us, you know, up to eight people. So we, there's Monica and myself, and then we can take up to six guests. And, you know, in a 40 in a foot boat or a 44 foot boat, that is not a great deal of room. We, I've lost my train of thought now.
0: No, I, I think people, I think people probably, you know, they're on vacation mode and, um, but you know, it is stressful. It's probably an exciting, thrilling experience for them. So I'm sure there's stress or some anxiety with them, and um, you guys have to manage all that in a very, very small area. I'm sure. I'm sure emotions can run high at times, and you do have to kind of manage group dynamics and stuff, which I'm sure can be challenging.
1: Yeah, you just put me straight back on track. Thanks, mate. Yeah, ex- <laughs> no worries. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, that's a- Exactly what we do. And uh, you know, if I'm enjoying myself and in Mon- if Monica is enjoying myself, then the people are enjoying themselves, the guests are enjoying themselves. So, you know, we don't let things get boring for us. And we don't, you know, we manage problems which are very few and far between. I mean we manage them in a way that you know it's it doesn't affect everybody else on the boat. And we sort of have to manage the, the guests a little bit that way at times. I mean, you know, it might be a group of friends that do this sort of thing every year or it might be a group of people that haven't even seen each other for you know 10 or 20 years you know it might be a, a get-together for some guys you know for a crew that went to college together and uh, now they're 40 years old and trying to catch up with the old times and uh, so but we find this you know relatively easy i mean we're actually quite laid back and uh, as i say we've done this a lot so it's I don't know if I'm answering your questions no, here.
0: No, that's that's actually it's just very <laughs> interesting. Just you know, I've done some guiding kind of backpacking stuff, but nothing on water. And I just want, I just think you know it, it is a lot of figuring out. Okay, what is this group like? You know, what are they expecting? What's the dynamics of this group? Who's kind of the leader? Who's, you know, who who's mm-hmm. how are people feeling? Making sure everyone's having a good time. I mean, how often do you, would you say it, it doesn't go well? And, and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this group to leave.
1: It doesn't happen that often. I mean, it does happen, but it doesn't happen that often. And also, you know, the, I don't think that the problem is so severe. I mean, I don't think that it is such a great problem that people are not going to enjoy themselves <laughs> we're on the water we're in paradise i mean it, i mean how could you not enjoy yourself yeah. how could you let anything get to you so it's uh not really such a great problem
0: it's, it's hard not to have a good time out there i'm sure especially with someone folks that are as experienced as you so be, being you know the leaders of a group and you folks that aren't nearly as experienced as you what what are some of the dangers you watch out for around the area and what are some of the things you're always kind of keeping an eye out for
1: well that's a very broad question
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. i mean is it weather is it is it rocks like i'm sure you have your patterns down of where the areas you go to
1: yeah i, I mean we know the we know the area like the back of our hands i mean you know, reefs, I mean, we sail straight through reefs. I mean, there's little passages that we can sneak through. I mean, we try, like I said, you know, we try to keep everything as interesting as we can. And we try to anchor in the most beautiful spots. I mean, we put our anchor down and we find a nice big bay like where, like where we are right now. And there'll be a nice, clear, sandy punch, which looks like swimming pool blue. And we always make sure that the back of the boat is over this. We, when, when we anchor in a place like Salt Whistle Bay in Myra, for example, you know, this is a nice sandy beach with lined with palm trees, really local atmosphere. We virtually drop our anchor on the beach. So if there's a lot of boats there, we're in front of everybody. So we, we, I mean, we have our, our usual system. We have our places that we go to. But, uh, dangers, I mean, the only real dangers I would say is, um, uh, we, Kite surfing, there's the obvious people drifting off downwind and uh, dragging themselves over some rocks or something. But you know, we brief everybody, uh, you know, of all dangers as far as when when we're kite surfing, we always brief everybody of uh, of the dangers, and we always give them a backup plan that you know the sort of things that they have to look out for. And if they can't get back to where they started from, you know, this is plan A, this is plan B, this is plan C, and also... So we have our, our rescue boat. And the same thing goes if we go for a, for, um, we do little snorkeling trips out in our little dinghy so we can take people on outside the reef on Tobago Keys. The, there you could get some currents. But, uh, you know, we stay with the people. We always supervise them so they can do, we can drop them off somewhere along the reef and they can do a bit of a drift snorkel. And I follow them along with uh, with with the dinky. So I mean, we're aware of all the all the problems and all the dangers. We're also very aware of our liabilities. So um, you know, we've got a handle on all that sort of thing. There's not not really any problems. I mean, we've got everything organised. If people need flotation devices, we have flotation devices. I mean, if people need supervision, I mean, I even have people here that I have to teach them how to use a snorkel. So it's you know, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we've we have everything organized here, and everything is in place. We've had a lot of experience, so we know exactly what to expect, and we already know what the people are like. Yes, yeah, so it makes it relatively straightforward for us.
0: Was there was there ever ex- any experiences early on, any stories you have where maybe before you had all this experience and, and this uh, figured out that something went wrong or, or, you know, just, just something you were keeping an eye on. I, I don't know. I know early on for me with backpacking, it was, you know, I was worried about every little thing, but then you start to learn that certain things just aren't very likely, but every once in a while, something does happen that,
1: that scares you a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, as, uh, as a yacht master, as, as the master of the vessel or the captain of the ship, so to speak, I went to college in Australia, and I know what my responsibilities are. I know what my liability—you know—that I am liable. You know, I know that that the buck stops with me. So we always plan everything. You know, we don't—we don't take risks. You know, the, the, the <laughs> there has the, there has been times when uh, we've been working on other people's boats. I can remember one day when uh, Monica and I, who were the, Monica at the time, wasn't a terribly strong swimmer and uh we had uh, the chef from the boat drop us out on the reef at Tobago keys and then he took off and left us there <laughs> and oh, the geez. tide was going out so the tide was trying to suck us out over the reef and out into out to sea and uh we managed to get to uh, some little mooring boys that were there specifically for the dinghies and flag down some help but you know this is how we learned about you know when we take guests there You know, we need to make sure that we're on there because we know that there's strong currents there. So a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of things we've tried it before. So we know what to do. But I mean, at the moment, while we have this problem with uh, quarantine and nobody's traveling and we've got nothing better to do, you know, we're going to go out and explore some new places to try some different things over the next couple of weeks. So, uh, we've already been there and done that before you get here.
0: No. Oh, okay. You know, that makes sense. You using this break to, to maybe plan a new itinerary itinerary. You haven't had a chance to go explore before. So, oh, it's fantastic. I was going to say, you know, with, with everything going on or maybe just have having done this for a while, do you, do you foresee yourself doing anything else in the future or transitioning, transitioning out of it, or or you just see yourself doing this for the foreseeable future?
1: I don't. Monica said that to me a few times. I don't know what else to do, mate. I really, I don't. (laughs) What else would I do? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for too long. I mean, if I left this, what else would I be doing? I'd be working on somebody else's boat as a captain, or I would uh, be in a marina repairing boats for somebody. I mean, I've been in it for too long, so I don't know what else to do. But uh, you know, this, this particular boat that we have now, we've only had it for about three years. So it's still quite a new project for us, and we're still really enjoying it. Once we get bored with this, you know, once we get bored with this area, then uh, we'll go move on. We'll head down to, the, I don't know, the ABCs and San Blas and into the Pacific, and who knows where we're going to go.
0: Can you do tours from, from anywhere you go, or how much time does it take to really learn the area to be able to be comfortable doing something like
1: that? Uh, uh, th- 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 The biggest thing, really, when we go to a new area is there's there's rules and regulations. So we can't just go into any country and start chartering. I mean, we're running a business there. And uh, so, you know, every country you go to has different rules. So we just have to go and we have to do the research before we get there. You know, it's uh, it's anything to do with saving. You always make a passage plan before you go. So that you know where you're going and what to what to expect when you get there. You know what you what you know what facilities are available and what sort of things you have to take with you, or you know where are the best places to go for certain uh, for certain things. But uh, most importantly is when we exit and and uh, enter any country, we have to go through you know customs and um and immigration. So there's a lot of formalities to think about. You know before we even move
0: but yeah it's it's just like any other business you're in a country there's rules there's things you got to do and i'm sure your your insurance is not cheap either with with everything that you're <laughs> yeah. doing with people so
1: <laughs> yeah that's another thing i mean uh, when we're in uh, in the mediterranean our insurance was much cheaper than it is here so yeah, every time when we went to we go start heading across the Atlantic Ocean, we have to inform our insurance company, and they will will rearrange our insurance to suit, which usually means putting the price up. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to think about. You can't just uh, they, they they people sort of think that uh, sailing is the ultimate freedom, and uh, which it is to a certain extent. But still, there are still rules and regulations the same as you have at home.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I just pursuing life kind of outside the box, I've realized that a lot of people think it, you know, they look at the highlights and they look at, you know, you on the boat in the middle of the Caribbean and think, Oh, I would I would love to do that, but they don't see all these these other steps and these things you have to maintain to do so. I'm like you said, the boat is probably like the maintenance of ten houses in one in a lot of ways, as well as uh, just everything you got to know, everything you got to learn. It's got to be, it's got to be a huge challenge, but the reward must be just so much greater than the challenge of making it happen.
1: Oh uh, yeah, i uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's fantastic. The lifestyle is fantastic. I mean, there is a. Um, I, I can imagine when we think about the first, when I first stepped on a boat and uh, that had all these complicated systems on it, you know. Or or somebody else that is coming into into this lifestyle, they first step on a boat and look at all these systems, you know, they have to figure out how they work. And to get somebody to do everything for you is, one, expensive. And quite often, you know, you're going to be in a remote position. Like, I mean, you could be in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and your water maker breaks down. You know, you have to know how to fix that. But uh, at the end of the day, what I mean, we managed to stay on top of everything, and uh, we don't have a hell of a lot to do because we do uh, a lot of preventive maintenance. So, uh, you know, and at the moment, you know, I will spend uh, a part of the day checking and uh, maintaining certain things on the boat. This morning I decided I'm going to get up and go and practice filing, and then this afternoon I'm going to do some uh, check some filters and pumps and all that sort of thing. So, you know, we do all these sorts of things to stay on top of it. So that, you know, most importantly for us is so that uh, we don't have breakdowns when we have guests on board. There's nothing worse than having to pull the tools out when somebody's uh, trying to relax and, uh, you know, get away from it all.
0: And drink a cocktail, yeah. You know, absolutely. To, <laughs> you know, want a yeah. wrench right next to him. Oh, Absolutely, I totally get that. Wow, so so with everything going on, are y'all uh, you know transitioning? You said you're postponing a lot of the trips, but you're hoping that folks will continue to go with you because I'm I'm sure down in that area your season's probably pretty wide open. Is that true, or or is it a seasonal seasonal thing?
1: And I mean, yes, it is quite seasonal. And I mean, in the hurricane season, you know everything's shut. And the north, you know, up, up around the Virgin Islands, everything's pretty much closed. And uh, there's nothing happening in the hurricane season. And, uh, but uh, down this end of the you know, this end of the Caribbean is much, much safer. From, you know, we don't have, you know, the hurricanes are passing further north. Sometimes I make a beeline heading this way, but they always, nine times out of ten, they swing north. So, you know, as far as uh, insurance is concerned, we have to be down here. So for us, we have the advantage that, you know, our season can be longer if, if, uh, if, if we, I mean, we keep a really good eye on the weather. We know about them, you know, before they, when they're very first forming off the coast of Africa or sort of a little bit out into, into the Atlantic, we know it weeks before they get, you know, before a hurricane gets here. So we still don't have a problem operating, but the problem is it's summertime and it's hot. So uh, most people don't want to be out here when it's hot. So for that reason, we're not as busy. Although it's, I mean, it's the best time to be here. It's fantastic. There's nobody else here.
0: Got it all to yourself. Probably, probably have to pinch yourself constantly, huh?
1: Yeah, especially when I've got a horror job and I've got my bum in the air and the head under the, my head under the engine and grease all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> I have to give myself a pinch every now and then and say, "Hey, look where I am." <laughs>
0: look where I am. Not usual in a lot of ways. So. You know, it might sound pretty normal to you, but to the rest of us, I think it's a pretty fantastic looking uh looking lifestyle. But well, where where can people find out more about you, learn more about your business and about your story?
1: Uh, from our website, SailingWildside.com.
0: Sailingwildside.com.
1: Sailingwildside.com. And they can we find information have- about your
0: trips there too.
1: Yeah, well, I'll I'll get it up to date eventually. Where you know where we are at the moment, the internet is not real brilliant. Although this is working out fine on Skype, but uh, it's not always easy to upload uh, videos and photographs and to the website. But yeah, we're it. We're getting there with Aaron's help. We'll uh, we'll get on top of it all
0: hey sounds good yeah yeah you sound great coming through this and the website looks great and i know with everything going on you i'm sure you got a little time
1: yeah well yeah hopefully we can uh, try and get some uh, videos and photographs up onto facebook and onto our instagram and all the rest to uh give people a little bit of uh, a little bit of inspiration
0: oh absolutely steven thank you so much for joining us and uh you know, for sharing a little bit about your lifestyle, what you do and, and how you got there just sounds incredible. I know sailing is a dream for a lot of people, but I'm sure sometimes it can feel like a nightmare, but most of the times I'm sure it is a dream come true.
1: No, we still love it. It's still fun. I mean, and uh, like I said, when we get bored with it, we'll move on. We'll change something. But uh, now for us, it's fantastic. We're still loving it.
0: All right, Stephen. Well, y'all stay safe and uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy the weather, enjoy this time, and and we'll catch up soon.
1: All right, mate. Cheers. All, all right. right. Have good a good speaking one. speaking to you. Ciao, mate.
0: First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to the show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.